Praise the Lord. We welcome you to our live broadcast this Sunday, October 17, 2021. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we have come before you by the blood shed by your Holy Son, Jesus Christ, for us, that we may come to you and plead our cause and believe that you will answer us. Father, this day we are praying that this message will touch every child of God who has imbibed wrong teachings unknowingly. That you help them to come to that point where they go back to the cross of Christ. Take up the cross again and don't look back and press on for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, that's our prayer today for all, every child of God in this world, especially those who will be opportune to hear this broadcast or listen to the podcast anywhere in the world. That there be deliverance, O oh Lord. There be forgiveness, there be healing. And that those who have been so delivered will also move forward to help others to hear the message. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Our instrumental is taken from our brother Caleb Brassi. May the Lord continue to bless him and enlarge his coast. Today's topic subliminal techniques, sabotaging the gospel of Christ. Outline. We shall define what subliminal means. Two. Glamour dressing and expensive lifestyle. Opulent environment in the churches or the buildings we call churches. Four, testimonies mostly about wealth and health. Five, we shall exhort you to trust only the word of God. Praise the Lord. Subliminal defined. We shall be examining one of the reasons Many believers are unaware that they are holding on to and teaching unbiblical doctrines. They learned what they are ready to die for at the threshold beyond, below the consciousness. See, we have the conscious self, but there is a part of us that is not totally asleep, but we, some will say subconscious. You are receiving something, but you are not fully aware of it. But it will later influence you in your belief process. And those of us, or when you try to engage these people who have imbibed these messages using the Bible, God's word, they will never listen because they can't support what they hold dear with the scriptures. By the scriptures, I mean the unvarnished gospel of Christ. Devoid of human constructs, devoid of human interpretation, devoid, you know, devoid, that is not including all the accretions, that's the build-ups from the early church to now. Definition of subliminal, please. It's on the board. I read the first one from the Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary. 
which says existing or functioning below the threshold of consciousness. The second definition is from the Cambridge English Dictionary, not recognized or understood by the conscious mind or still having an influence on the mind. And the last one is from dictionary.com, existing or operating below the threshold of consciousness, being or employing stimuli insufficiently intense to produce a discrete sensation but often being or designed to be intense enough to influence the mental processes or the behavior of the individual. Praise the Lord. Score programming without you knowing it. In summary, subliminal messaging is directed to that which exists or operates below the threshold of consciousness. Just at the borderline of consciousness. Subliminal messaging is not recognized or understood by the conscious mind immediately. But it has a great influence on the mind. You could say a subliminal message is the hidden message in a message. Praise the Lord. The world has conditioned people to believe only what the eyes see. That's what the eyes see. That's what people. That's why when you see salespeople, those who want to, it's really common men and women. They dress so well to impress and drive very expensive cars, which they may have stolen or borrowed. Just impress so you can give them a listening ear. Worldly prosperity preachers have done much better than the best con men and women in the world using what we call these subliminal techniques. They have perfected subliminal techniques to impress, draw crowds, take their wealth, and keep them coming back, bringing more money to enrich them. These techniques have sabotaged and continue to sabotage the gospel of Christ. Here are some of those subliminal techniques. Glamour dressing by pastors and preachers and they are flaunting their expensive lifestyles is not accidental. Two, creation of the opulent environment in buildings called churches. It's not accidental either. And why the testimonies are always about wealth and health. How about eternal life? How about the scriptures? How about living godly lives? How about being contented? And Satan, whose overarching aim or overarching aim is to draw away believers from the cross of Christ and to keep on believers from going to the cross, is very pleased. They are doing his job for him. So, why well meaning evangelists, that's those who preach the gospel, which is any one of us? And followers of Christ are toiling, toiling in your neighborhoods, preaching the gospel. Winning souls for Christ. And directing them to these buildings called churches and denominations. What happens? The leaders in those churches continue to sabotage their efforts. An evangelist preaches the gospel of Christ to an unbeliever. She believes and accepts Christ as Lord and Savior. The evangelist now 
directs her to what he believes is a Bible-believing church near her. He wants her to go there to be fed with spiritual food. The food that will help her to grow spiritually, which is from the word of God, not from the word of human beings. On getting there, instead of hearing more about her Lord and Savior and the sacrifice for her, these pastors and Jews feed her with worldly prosperity messages and the desire for the things in the world. The same world she just left behind. Those are poisons to her spiritual growth. The more she remains in that building called church and imbibes the subliminal messages from both the pulpit and the church environment, the more she forgets the cross and the Lord of her salvation. Unsurprisingly, that is, it will not be surprising, she begins to equate, that is, that salvation that she just had maybe a couple of months or years ago, is same with riches and health. Finally, she turns her back at the cross and goes after the wall she left behind herself. She went to the church or the building called church to be taught according to the Lord's commands. Instead, they taught her the commands of human beings so that they can enrich their pockets. Next item. Glamour dressing and expensive lifestyle. It's number two. It is not accidental, as it's not by accident, that worldly prosperity pastors and teachers dress very well, very exquisite. There is a great psychology behind the affluence they project in and out of the pulpit. Let me ask you and myself, who would you be comfortable lending money to? A supposedly rich person or a poor person in your community? Most people will feel more comfortable lending to the rich person because in their mind, you will repay them since he is rich. Who do you think most people trust? The rich or the poor person? Most would trust the rich person over the poor person. Who do you think most people give deference to? The rich or the poor? Have you seen people flocking before a poor human being and giving deference to him or her? No. Most people will defer to the rich because they want to become rich too. The rich has more respect than the poor in the world. But that should not be so in the church. When rich pastors ask for money, for one project or the other, they are more believed and more people give as a result. Why do you think you hear often the rags to riches stories? That is, how they were so poor and then suddenly they became very rich. Why do you think pastors and Jews of this worldly prosperity uh, movement tell you how they toil for many years preaching the gospel? They started by trekking. 
And sometimes they went to bed hungry. And they cried out to God. Then the Lord opened the door. And from trekking, they began to ride bicycles. And presently, see how God has blessed them. They own cars and houses. Their conclusion goes something like this. The Lord provided those things because of our faithfulness in giving and tithing. Always! What do you think is happening to the audience? At the threshold of their consciousness, the audience associates paying tithes and giving offerings with God's blessings. And whoever does not pay tithes and give offerings will not be blessed by God. That is the total message. That is the subliminal message. They didn't say so with their words. Sometimes some have even come out to expose that. But truth is, once they give that message, how they were so poor, how they, because they were faithful in giving and tithing and everything, suddenly they become rich. And what do you think happens? You've had a story sometimes. Their followers go and sell their properties. And all that still even from the employers so that they can give offerings and pay tithes. Some young people in that audience that have left school but no jobs suddenly decide, oh, they have, called, they have a calling to ministry. They want to be like their rich pastors and Jews. Nobody wants to be a poor pastor. But very few dare to ask, how those pastors, without any visible means of income, became multimillionaires, sometimes in less than 10 years? Had their followers thought about it, they would have known that the trekking to a bicycle to cars and Great West story is just a story. It's just a story to play to their subconsciousness. It's just a story to get them to give more and more. Had their followers thought, but you see, once messages go in the subliminal, in the subconscious, it is so difficult to erase it. But I'll tell you how you can erase it at the end of this message. They didn't become rich because they were faithful in anything. They became rich because their followers were giving them tithes and offerings. That's how they became rich. <coughs> they have to have a visible means of income. If you really want to serve God, you must develop a skill set and utilize it to feed yourself and your family. If you're in school, make sure you're about the best in class. Study harder than everybody else. If you want to be a motor mechanic, study to me, work so hard that everyone will bring their cars to you. You want to be a painter, paint the best. And God will bless the work of your hands. Let's stop. Let's call a spade a spade. How many of your pastors, wherever you are in the world, what educational qualification do they have? Yes, they can have a master in divinity or PhD in theology. It still doesn't matter. They should still have a skill set. They'll then be teaching the university and colleges and then preaching and not collecting money from the audience. But if not, you come out from school, maybe study history, no job. Please find something else to do. 
There is joy in labor. I'm talking to young people. God is not going to drop from the sky. The work you can do is around. You can even watch people's cars. And from watching cars, who knows? Let me make this point here. There was no paid position in churches of the eyewitnesses of the Christ resurrection. Meaning, in that first church of Peter, Paul, Barnabas, there was no paid position. There was no paid position for anybody, pastor, preacher, evangelist, anybody. So why did we come to this position? It's not for me to say here. Because I have exposed that in many other places. No one aspired to be a pastor or overseer in churches established by those apostles, those eyewitnesses of the Lord's resurrection. God gave them gifts. Gifts of what? Spiritual gifts to go into the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to observe everything he taught them. He never told them worldly prosperity. So what's our problem? These men and women of the belly are fakes. I don't care who they are. Because I have prayed. And God will do a new thing in this life. So as to deliver many of you. With those gifts, those eyewitnesses, when some went from Jerusalem north, south, west, east, yes, as they were led. These faithful followers of Christ were not looking to expand their own kingdoms or their own empires. They were not building congregations that were continue to bow to them. They did everything commanded by their Savior and Lord to expand the kingdom of God on earth. Whatever it takes. And when God gave the increase in any area they ministered, what do you think they did? They stayed there, taught them, trained new converts to take over and continue the work of God. Then they moved to new areas. They don't want to stay there and be chopping from the people. And by the way, many of them were working. Brother Paul used to work as a tent maker. These eyewitnesses of the lost resurrection didn't command the churches they established to be beholden to them or to be sending them money since they were the ones that established those local churches. They were not collecting tithes for that word was not existing in the early church. They knew that the churches were in theirs but God's. And God who sent them and established it will give the increase. Contrast that to our 21st century empire building tight collecting pastors and Jews. That's what they are. Empire building for the world, not for the kingdom of God. I've prayed. And the Lord will pull all of them down. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because of anything, but because they are deceiving so many. That's the problem. If not, it doesn't matter. One day they'll repent, I, I pray. But because they are taking many into Christless eternity, you and I must now, those who have believed, begin to pray for them to be pulled down. Enough is enough. Opulent environment. Number three. It is not accidental against or by accident. The trappings and furnishings in the buildings called churches. They are there for the purpose. They want to keep you in. They don't want those who have come in to go. And they want more people to come. When you come in, the environment is so lavishly furnished. It's so beautiful. Oh, the beautiful music, the ambience. Oh, wow. It's so great. 
Why wouldn't you want to go back there? New persons attending such services in those lavish church buildings, they are very impressed, both at the conscious and the subconscious levels. The comfort and evidence of wealth supersedes every other thought, even if in their quiet inner voices, they are hearing things from the pulpit that seem a little bit funny. New people that are going to such churches look around and they see members of the church very expensively dressed. Before even they enter the church, luxurious four-wheel drives of all types. Wow, that's the place to be. At the threshold below their consciousness is that God is, must indeed be in this church. God has blessed people in this church. I, that's the subliminal point I'm making. It is an attraction of the if not, if their mind was thinking, they may find out that many of the people there are crooks. Many of them are corrupt public servants. They may find out so many things that some even are ritualists. But no, there's no need. Oh, the God has blessed this place. The beauty and the rich environment and the expensive dressing of the pastor and members of the church are evidence of God's blessing and presence to the subconscious. And remember, the subconscious will eventually overtake the conscious and will destroy rationality and thinking. May God forgive us. Most of those who will go to such places become members. Not because they had sermons from the pulpit that touched the soul but on what has been conveyed into their subconscious. Number four, testimonies mostly about wealth and health. I don't know what church you went to today, but I'm sure you had some testimonies about wealth and health. I don't know if you had anything about spiritual growth. Testimony time. A well-dressed brother gets up from the, from the pew accompanied by his very expensively clad wife. They both march majestically to the front of the congregation with, with the trumpets and the sounds, oh boy. He narrates how God prospered him in the last one year since he started attending that particular church. He narrates how his business has so prospered beyond his widest imagination that in fact he and his family has moved from one room apartment into a mansion. Claps, shouts of praise the Lord ring through the hall. <laughs> Not finished. He's on top of all that. He's now a proud owner of a Range Rover. While his wife drives a Toyota Acura. Hey! The audience rise and shout and shout praise and singing all over the hall. After a pause, it continues. One year ago, the pastor here had asked for those who will believe God. And so he sees for a new church building. Even though he didn't have the money. Because of his faith in God, he made a pledge. He pledged an amount he didn't have. After the congregation rises and sings praises still, 
the pastor beams with smiles. Surveying his audience, the pastor shouts, Praise the Lord! That is faith in action. Our brother sowed a seed, and God has multiplied it more than a thousandfold. Praise the Lord! Shouts of hallelujah continue. There's rockers in the church. If you are listening to this broadcast, please answer me this question. Is there anyone in that audience who don't want such multiplication? Because at the threshold just below their consciousness, first time visitors in that audience will begin to believe the doctrine of sowing of seed. After all, they have just witnessed that sowing of seed actually works. There's a brother that they can attest to. And by the time the church is out, people are sending WhatsApp messages, Facebook messages, saying how God has blessed his brother. Do you know this brother here? And before you know it, that's it. The sowing of seed doctrine continues to multiply on fake evidences and wickedness. From that day, most visitors who attend that church, unless they're spiritually filled, they have the Holy Spirit, they will go to that church. Why would they go to any other place? They want to be blessed like that, brother. They want to become rich in one year. And whenever that pastor, remember why he rose up and smiled and was so happy? It's not because of it. It's because he knows that the coffers are going to be filled very shortly, within one year. Whenever that pastor asks for money for one project or the other, <laughs> Those ones will be the first, they will rush out from the pew, the pew to give a pledge. Sorry, make a pledge or give, even if they have to borrow or sell their properties. Sowing of seed is an article of creed for most Pentecostals. Do you hear what I said now? My background is Pentecostal. So, and I challenge anybody, and I die anybody in the whole world to tell me. Whether that is what Pentecostalism stands for, because it is not. But so you see, it has become an article of creed, because it is a platform for the wealth and health gospel. It is a platform for a gospel that is from the pits of hell. Worldly prosperity pastors have been using it as part of the arsenal just to steal money from their congregation. I don't want to call it fleecing, it's stealing. You can't convince those who have been sub who are subliminally imbibed. This false doctrine that it is unbiblical. You can try, because I have tried. It's difficult to get them because at the subconscious level, they have had so many testimonies. I beg fake. Take it from me. Take it from me, fake, false. Sometimes staged. That because they sow the seed, that's why God bless them. So even if anything happened to them that was the good Lord blessing them, it is ascribed to what? The sowing of the seed. We have articles on the subject of merchandising of God's grace on our website, on tithes and offerings. You can get it on our website, worldevangel.com. On broadcasts on YouTube, more than 150 videos are there, teaching videos. We encourage those of you who really are serious, who really want to serve God, and who are tuning into this broadcast for the first time to go to our website to read or to YouTube and watch them.
And use your scripture and compare with what you hear in your churches. I don't have much time to give you other testimonies, but a sister will come out to give testimony how after having been prayed by that, for, by that pastor, she conceived. She had been buried for many years. All that singing and praises will erupt. Every testimony is about words and healing. Scripture, please. I read from Luke chapter 9, verses 22 to 26. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Praise the Lord. I encourage you, my hearers, go through that scripture again in your quiet time and use it to judge the worldly prosperity messages. Did Christ die so that his followers would get wealth and health? Or did he die for them to inherit eternal life? That's one of the first questions you have to ask yourself from the scripture. It is one or the other. It cannot be both. The gospel of Christ is not about health and wealth. It is not about worldly prosperity. It is about eternal life. The gospel of Christ is about Christ. Who died to save humanity from sin. Physical death and eternal death. It requires those who believe to be in total submission to the Lord who died for them. The gospel of Christ is about his followers taking the cross. Not being ashamed of his name and suffering in his name. That's from the scripture we just read. Those teachings that cause believers to take away their focus from Christ are unbiblical. It is the enemy, Satan, and his accomplices, both in the spirit world and in, the, in this world, who are bringing these teachings to take the eyes of God's children from the cross. Because when they are focused on Christ and the cross, wow, nothing can take them back to Egypt. If you are hearing me, if you love your soul, and I'm speaking to myself, if you love your soul, if I love my soul, I don't want to be put in danger of inheriting eternal death. That means dying and never seeing the Lord again. You must leave whoever propounds worldly prosperity. I'm not talking of your wife or husband. That's no, that's a, no, no. You have to try and continue praying and convince him or her. And wherever and our pastor, G or church, wherever is being preached, you must run for your life. They are poisoning you. They are poisoning you unknowingly. It's a slow poison that takes you away from the cross. And it will end up in you, ending up in the lake of fire. Praise the Lord. Number five. 
Where do you then put your trust in? Which is the whole point of this exercise. Because we don't, in this ministry, critique. We also propose solution. Trust only in the word of God. That's the only way to destroy this subliminal messaging that has invaded our systems. Scripture, please. I read from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 14. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him, to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Praise the Lord. Solution one. For the word of God is alive and active. It's not dead. It's not just words. When you read them, they're sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit. So if it does, joints and marrows, then it will also penetrate your subconscious. And we divide your subconscious and conscious. It will reveal those subliminal messages that you have imbibed for many years, which you took into your subconsciousness, and which has formed part of your understanding of the gospel of Christ. Please, the word of God is the first remedy. And in fact, it's the only remedy. Because when you do, faith will come in in the Lord who has saved you. Not faith in things of the world. Let me repeat. The word of God penetrates the conscious and subconscious. If it can penetrate and divide the soul and the spirit to separate what is spiritual and what is soulish, it also does the conscious and subconscious. So when you study the scriptures, that's the only way, whatever you have imbibed for all these years and believed that are not true, that you imbibe through your subconsciousness and taught them to be true. Use the gospel of Christ. Read the scriptures. That's the, that's the pathway to your deliverance. Praise the Lord. Just scripture, please. I read from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 to 17a. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Praise the Lord. Do your best. Present yourself, you and I, to God. That's the only way you can show God that genuinely you have believed. By studying the scriptures. So you can correctly divide, handle the truth. See, that's the point. Because the God knew the enemy was going to come in and bring so many falsehood. So the only way you can separate what is true and what is false is through the scriptures. But look at verse 16. Avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. See, the more you indulge in these doctrines that are from the pits of hell, the more ungodly you become. Sadly, verse 17a is what hurts me. See, their teaching will spread like gangrene. Worldly prosperity movement and their teachers have spread like gangrene and destroyed, almost destroyed Pentecostalism. Worldly prosperity is that godless chatter which has spread like gangrene throughout Pentecostalism and apostate organized Christianity. First scripture, please. Next scripture, please. 
I read from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, all forgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. These scriptures are describing our worldly prosperity preachers in the Pentecostal movement and in the evangelical movement and in the charismatic movement and in other movement that claims that the Holy Spirit is still inspiring people today. Remember those who don't believe in such are already dead. So we are talking about those who claim to be Bible-believing churches. That's that description. Worldly prosperity preachers are lovers of themselves. I didn't say this is the scripture. They are lovers of money. They are boastful. They are not humble. They are proud. They are abusive. They are treacherous. They are rash, conceited. They are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Because if they love God, they will not teach that doctrine. They pretend to be godly, but if you deny the power of God, you are not godly. You and I, in this message today, have been enjoying. To have to, to do nothing with such people. That's what the scripture said. So if you continue, preach to them, brother or sister, tell them that way, just run for your life because you don't want to continue to eat poison. What if prosperity preachers have won their way into the hearts of their followers to gain control over their lives and to manipulate it so that they can become their ATM machines? That means automatic, whatever, where you just, you know, to throw your card and the money comes. Next scripture, please. I read from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 9 to 17. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Verse 15, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 17. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Praise the Lord for his word. Verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Tell me whether your flamboyant G.O. or pastor has ever been persecuted. Tell me. Show me one of them who has been persecuted. But I can show you many 
men and women of God who have been persecuted. Right from the first century, they were burnt at the stake. And even in our 21st century, many have suffered persecution. But when you suffer persecution from family and friends, and where you walk, that's when you know that really you have become a child of God. Truly have been tested. I challenge all those false GOs and pastors. I'm throwing a challenge today. Let them come out and tell us how much they have been persecuted. They can't be persecuted when they are whining and dining with the leaders of nations. When they are whining and dining with the commercial people. You tell me how they can be persecuted. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone, this is some. Everyone. So you hear him, if you have never been persecuted, you've got a problem. I don't say go see persecution, but generally if you preach the gospel of Christ, you will face persecution even from your church. From your family and friends, if they don't believe what you have believed. Verse 15. Look at what is Paul is writing to Timothy. And from infancy, Paul is giving a testimony that brought Timothy has known the Holy Scriptures. Young men and women hearing my voice. Have you really known the Holy Scriptures? Or do you know the Scriptures taught to you by your worldly prosperity believing parents? pastors and Jews. Have you really studied the scriptures on your own and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, young man, young woman, who wants to go in ministry? Who is going to teach the next generation the truth if you are not going to rise to the challenge I'm throwing to you now? Because only through the scripture will you know God's way for your life. Because in verse 16, all scriptures God breathed it's useful for teaching, rebooking, which is what I'm doing here. Correcting and training righteousness. And I have no apologies to anybody. Not on this earth. Only my God. And I pray that God will pull down all these men and women on their belly and expose them for who they are. Because people must go back to studying the scriptures. You must study the Bible. You have no choice if you want to serve God. If not, you have already imbibed these subliminal messages that are destroying your faith in God. That is taking your eyes away from the cross. So rather than carrying the cross of Christ and following his steps, you are following the steps of your geos and pastors, riding their jets, going to their houses and bowing to them. And if you die today, where do you think you are going? Not a place that you think you are going. That's why I'm preaching today. That's why I'm crying today. That's why I'm exhorting you today because I love you. Praise the Lord. Father, forgive all of us and have mercy on your children. I'm going to sing a song. And it's important to take this song to heart. It's cry of my heart, but today it's going to be cry of our hearts. Please pay attention. Meditate on the words. It's the cry of my heart and yours to follow Jesus. It's the cry of my heart to be close to him. It's the cry of my heart to follow him all the days of my life. That should be your cry and my cry today. Not after just here now. This is a cry of my heart to follow you, Lord Jesus. And I praise the cry of the heart of everyone hearing my voice or seeing this broadcast to follow you. 
This is a cry of my heart, my Father, my God. To follow your son Jesus all the days of my life, no matter what it costs. Teach me your holy ways, O oh Lord, so I can walk in your truth. Teach your people hearing my voice your holy ways. Teach me your holy ways, O oh Lord, and make me holy, devoted to you, and no other human being. No other human being. Only my devotion is to you, and I pray all who hear my voice, their devotion will be to the Lord God Almighty. It is the cry of my heart to follow the Lord Jesus. That should be the cry of your heart too, to be close to Him. It is the cry of my heart to follow Him all the days of my life, no matter what it costs. That's the only way to inherit eternal life. Open my eyes so I can see, open the eyes of your children so they can see this day. Open them the wonderful things that you have done for us. Open my heart, open, my, open your hearts, and make me holy, not partially, holy, devoted to you. Make your children holy, devoted to you. This is my cry to follow Lord Jesus. Let that be the cry of all who hear my voice today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray. Our Father and our God. Thank you for the message. Thank you for the insights. Thank you for those who have tuned in and who will tune into this broadcast or will listen to in the podcast. Father, we are powerless. These men and women of the belly have taken the church, your church. They have sabotaged the gospel. But your church remains firm and standing. Deliver all who are in this, who have been taken in by the things in the world, by the promoters of the world. It's all the promoters of the kingdom. Open the eyes of young men and women, Lord, because if the Lord, your son, is not coming soon, even though we pray he comes soon, we need another generation that will continue to bring this self-evident truth to your people. Cause many wearing my voice today, Lord, Cause the young men and women, my Father, my God, to abandon sheep, abandon sinking sheep, Lord, and come to the shore and embrace the cross anew. That they may be taught by you the way of the cross. So that they will be the ones who will teach the next generation, Lord. When Joshua and Caleb died, what happened? Israel went into apostasy. Father, raise men and women who will take over this mantle. This I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Empower them, Lord, to open their eyes. Touch their hearts even as they hear this. And Lord, as they do, guide them. Because I know the enemy will come attacking. Preserve and protect them. So no matter what he throws their way, Lord, you will raise them ashore. And be there with them. In Jesus' name we have prayed. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon everyone who has had this message. More especially on those who will accept this call, who will go in their closets and begin to study the word of God and begin to use it to remove those things that have imbibed subconsciously. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise God. I thank you all, my brothers and sisters. Remain blessed. By his grace, we'll see you next Sunday.